everyone, and thank you for listening to Recovery Live. This is the Cumberland Heights podcast that is all about, well, recovery. We talk to uh, people who are in recovery, family members, friends, counselors, all different sorts of people with different experiences in addiction and recovery. And I'm excited about our guest today. We have Todd here. He is a patient registration benefits specialist, and we're really excited to have you, Todd. How are you this morning? Fine. Thank you, Liz. Awesome. Now, Todd has a really interesting story. Um, You were on intervention, and that actually is what brought you here to Cumberland Heights. So tell me a little bit about that experience. First of all, what what was what were you told that you agreed to be filmed your active addiction on camera? What was going through your head? And talk a little bit about that experience. Um, a lot was going through my head. <laughs> um, it was uh, I really it was at the end of a very long um, struggle with drugs. Obviously, uh, I wasn't in the right frame of mind. You know, when they when they my sister is the one that initiated the whole intervention. But I was easily, I guess, manipulated at that point, you know, from years of doing drugs. I just didn't have my best defensive defenses up. And and I was told that it was going to be a documentary to be filmed for at youth, at risk youth and people in jail. And, you know, as someone that smokes a lot of meth and stays up at late at night, I love documentaries. And so and. And I'm a vain person, you know, especially when I'm using drugs. And I was like, yeah, I'd love to have a documentary filmed about myself. And maybe I thought there would be a little bit of money in it for me. And maybe I could get back down to Los Angeles and get back into treatment or something like that. Like I was tired and I was, I was, I was broke, tired, didn't have a place to live, except my parents' house. And, um, I was just easily manipulated at that point. And, um, I'm glad I was, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I watched that episode, and so you've come a long way. So tell us about what your life was like when you were being filmed. I remember seeing you in the basement just basically doing drugs and fidgeting with different stuff all day. Like, what, what was your life, what was your daily life then? Um, my day consisted of waking up and smoking meth um, all day, 24-7, heavily addicted to pills and opiates, and I was on Suboxone for about five years at that point um, because Oxycontin had been too expensive to get where I live. And um, so I had a daily regimen of pills and benzos I had to take and I had to, and I smoked meth to stay up all day, basically. And it wasn't even the basement of my parents' house. It was in their barn. I wanted to get as far away from people as I could at that point. You know, my daughter would be in the weekends in the house. I'd be smoking meth. Um, surrounded by junk. You could see all that junk. I'd go to yard sales and collect junk and bring it home and try to sell it, but spend more money on buying stuff. You know, it's just a, it's a terrible little cycle I was in. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I'd sleep in that chair that they, they filmed out there. That's where I slept was in that wood chair. Your, your parents and your family were obviously in the intervention episode as well. And, they were really worried about you. Yeah. Um, my mom's great, huh? Yeah, your mom. I remember I just wanted to hug her the whole time when I was my watching My favorite that. part is how mean my dad came off on it. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> love mean or was it tough love? No. My dad's great. My family's great. Yeah. yeah. So then when you did sit down for the intervention and you found out, hey, you've got this opportunity to get help, 
What was that like for you? Um, what I can remember now is walking in, and I was just, I was BSing to one of the camera people outside, you know, and then I walked in, and I remember there, all these lights are in my eyes, and I go, shoot, I know. I knew exactly then what it was, Intervention, the TV show. I kind of, it all clicked right then. And I saw my best friend. I feel like you've already died because this is not living. There's a better life for you waiting, Todd. You just have to grab that ring and take it. The opportunity that is being offered to you is to go to treatment. Are you okay with going there today? Terrific. And I knew I wasn't going to fight wherever they sent me. Um, you know, at the time, I wished it was somewhere else, like Malibu or, you know, Florida even. I don't know. New, New York. When they said Tennessee, I had no idea, like... Um, really what was in Tennessee and I didn't know you know I knew Jack Daniels was made here and I knew Daniel Boone was from here but um, yeah I'm sorry I did have no idea of of what Tennessee was like but I'm glad they couldn't have sent me to a better place you know mm-hmm. so um, that experience brought you here yes what has your life been like since since when since you first came to totally the different I mean obviously you were when you first got here though I remember you saying um, you were you were pretty depressed I was sick yeah and depressed it was tough like I was here they sent me here July 19th 2016 and it's not like I hadn't been to any other great treatment centers before I had you know and and I had the same experiences I had like in the first couple of weeks here. I was sick. I couldn't get out of bed. People would get frustrated. And they got frustrated here too. Like I wouldn't get out of bed. I wouldn't go to groups. I was in bed probably for two weeks. Like I got up after three days to eat, obviously. But then I'd go right back into bed and it was tough. I wouldn't participate where they had to keep me here an extra week because they wanted me to get something out of Cumberland Heights, you know, um, the experience. So I spent five weeks here. But the difference was is no one gave up. You know, they didn't let me walk out there because I wanted to. I Get me out of here. I remember crying, going up in the nursing station with tears in my eyes at 5 o'clock in the morning, wanting to leave, talking to Jack. You know, I got to get out of here. Well, no, you're not. <laughs> so. Didn't your group come to your bed one day? They did. Yeah, I forgot about that. Because you weren't going to go there, so they came to you. We had group, yeah, they came up in my room. I was in my underwear in bed, and I was like, guys, can I put on some pants, and we'll just go uh, do this in the butt. It was embarrassing, you know, but they, <laughs> I love that. And I still talk to some of those guys today. Like, it's awesome. And we had a group in the butt hut, which I heard no, they hadn't done before, and they haven't done since. Um, and that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Like, it was the guy's ideas. It wasn't the counselor or anything. I was, it was pretty amazing. So when did um, it start turning around for you? About then. Okay. Um, they did that. It's about two weeks in because I wasn't showing up to group every morning. They're like, hey, where's this, this empty chair here? Where's Todd? Oh, Todd's sick. He's in bed. Well, let's go see what we can do to get him out of bed. And they did. And slowly, surely the drugs wore off. And wouldn't you believe it? I started to feel a little better, you know, and didn't want to leave as much. And, and then somewhere along that line, just started sticking with the guys and something clicked. They're like, hey, I think I'm, I'll just stick it out here and we'll see what's, you know, I'll just give this a try, you know, instead of doing it my way and running mm-hmm. like I've always done. Like I, I'm a good runner. You know? <laughs> so um, 
And and it's funny because you said, oh, Tennessee, can't you send me to California, New York? But you know what? It's 2019 and you haven't left. So what's the deal? Did you come to love Tennessee? <laughs> I'm more than that. Like, that would be that would be the easy answer. It's just, oh, I love Nashville. No, I'm, I'm really in love with Nashville. I mean, like, this place has given me a second chance to live. Um, my wife's here now. Um, you know, it's great. The only thing I don't have here is my daughter, but we're working on that. You know, her home's in California, but uh, I'm trying to get her out to visit soon. How old is she? She's 11 now. So does she remember? Yes. Okay. And, yeah, and there's a... You know, that's one of the hardest parts, you know, is like having to admit that, like, hey, let's not tell your mom and grandma where I just took you, you know, because they know who that person is and they know that's where I go to get drugs. And so if I, you know, if they, we say we stopped by that house and, you know, of course, yeah, she told grandma. Yeah, I remember being at a, a softball game with my dad and I was really young. It was one of my earliest memories, I think, like three or four and my dad had said something like, oh, I, I, I'm in pain. I'm like, do you have to go get one of your stomach pills? Because I would see him always take one. And he's like, what? What are you? Like, he was so shocked. And it's like, you know, you notice that when you're a little kid. You notice what mom and dad are doing. You look yeah. up to them. Like the people you love the most. Of course, right. you're going to notice what they do. Exactly. And I just always remember, um, you know, oh, she's too young to remember what I'm doing now. Like, if I stop now she'll never remember anything and that never happened and that 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 year just kept mm-hmm. one year later and that point that line was if there was one was never you know i crossed it and i couldn't go back and so i'm okay with that she knows mm-hmm. i and post stuff building. on facebook and instagram all the time about me and recovery and she's one of my friends on instagram 11 <laughs> she got it this year i had to talk to her mom about that but she was the last one in her school to get it <laughs> we talked last and we were kind of coming up with things to talk about in this podcast you were talking about your recovery journey and you're like my recovery journey hasn't been perfect I've had to switch sponsors six times six times so it's not just like you're not on this pink cloud the whole time to expand a little you were but then you realize life still happens so talk about that you know of course I was in Stillwaters for so long and they you know you come out of there with a a master's in recovery and like they teach you everything you need to do and there's no reason why you know not to do it because do you know and when you get out life happens but i was in a halfway house for a long time like i went to five six seven meetings a week and working on steps i was all i've always been slow at working steps like i'm not gonna admit i'm some step master like i'm i don't work them very fast and where did it and now you know obviously my hours have changed at work i don't go to the regular meetings that i like to go to and then so i'm one or two meetings a week two um if i'm lucky and and to me that's not doing enough like that's not doing enough and service work too mm-hmm. like i need to do more self-admittedly i need to go volunteer down at um wherever i go do service work but calling a sponsor and doing step work now i'm um, doing pretty well at that well we've got to the part in the podcast everybody dreads um (laughs) it's the big two 
You talk about your greatest struggle in recovery and your greatest triumph. So let's start with probably the hard one, your greatest struggle. My greatest struggle in recovery. Well, the first, the first, the first hurdle, if I'm thinking now, which doesn't seem like a big one, but I was in Stillwaters and we had to watch that intervention episode. And that was tough to do, you know, be with 30 other guys and, and watching yourself on TV. You don't know what you said. You don't know what you did. You don't know how they're going to edit it. I use meth, Suboxone, which is buprenorphine, benzodiazepine, Xanax, lorazepam, Valium, and Prozac. In having to like go through that with your hands over your eyes and then with Ed and Heath and having to watch that thing and then everyone making fun of you and... <laughs> um, yeah, that was t- that was the first tough one, and then when I when that was over, I felt so much better about mm. uh, about everything. Like, okay, that's it. All right, I can deal with that. Um, you faced it head on. Yeah, like I have a lot of fears, and like and when you face one and you can walk through it, it, here you have to watch yourself at the lowest point, and you were right, like what you said. Okay, I did it now. Okay, yeah. What else? You're you're still here. You survived. Mm-hmm. That's great. So that was your greatest struggle. Talk about your greatest triumph. Well, and I have two, no. Okay. I have another one too. <laughs> Didn't mean to cut you off. No. Um, it was more recently. Um, just be honest. I don't like talking about other people's business out here, but it, it really did. It has affected me. Is my wife went into treatment as well, and she went to Stillwaters and got that experience, and that was that was tough to deal with. Like, but. Thank God I had the fellowship and I had friends that I could, um, that really took over when I couldn't. Like, I didn't know what to do. Here I work in a treatment center and I know what to do. When you go home, didn't know what to do. So, uh, boy, Rich, and you know, Rich, (laughs) and then Rich knows what to do. And Heath, and I called Heath and, and we got our help. Yeah, it's always different when it's your family member or someone you love, right? Like looking back, I know, like, I can see a little bit of what I put my parents through and what I put my ex-wife through, and um, terrible. Terrible. And I wish I could do it for her, you know? I wish I could double up my meetings and, so you know, and, like, I wish I could do her recovery for her. I got the tools. I'll do it. Yeah, I'm good at it. I'll do it. (laughs) All right. Now can we move on to your greatest triumph? All right. What is it? Triumph? Yeah. I don't know. What do you think it would be? <laughs> you can't Like staying her. here, like being there here in go. Tennessee, like getting hired by Cumberland Heights, the, the treatment center that I just went through, like not that long before. That's huge for me. It's someone that really hasn't worked for, you know, I worked for plumbing companies and construction, but I hadn't really worked for a few years there. Just being a bum. Mm-hmm. That's what I was. I'm an we almost canceled that intervention show because I couldn't show up to go to the, they have you meet with a psychiatrist to do some diagnosis to see if you're fit enough to be filmed and stuff. And yeah, I would never show up to it. And I'm like, listen, if you're not there by this time, then we're just going to pull the plug on doing this little documentary. And I was like, well, and I made it, you know, well, my dad. Yeah. So, okay. You three years sober then? Yes, just celebrated three years. That's awesome. Congratulations. What's kept you sober? What's kept you in recovery? Doing the things I learned to do at Stillwaters. Like, 
hanging around a great group of guys that are doing the deal too, going to meetings, calling my sponsor, continuing to do step work as slow as I do it. Um, just don't give up. Keep doing it. Um, those are the seven things we learn. You know, one of some of the seven things that you learn out Stillwaters to do on a daily basis and pray and meditate. Gratitude, you know, just mm-hmm. one foot in the front of the other. Right, no yeah. matter what life throws your way. Yeah, and stuff gets thrown at you. Mm-hmm. It's life. Um, I was reading something this morning, and I was like, okay. You know those like inspirational, sober mm-hmm. things you get on your phone? I love them. <laughs> and it was like something like, you know, sobriety doesn't make you happy. Like, doesn't give you happiness. It's like, it removes, sobriety, like, removes the things that make you unhappy. Mm-hmm. And something in that clicked, and I like you know just removing the things that make you want. I don't know if I said it right or whatever, but um. mm-hmm. it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Well, Todd, thank you so much for being on. I think you have an amazing story and the ability to help so many people, and it's so good to see you doing so well. Because for me, I felt like I knew you when I watched the intervention, yeah. and then to meet you in person and see like this light in your face now that was definitely not there in the episode. It's really cool. And we're happy to have you here. So thank you everyone for listening. Have a great week and be well. Hey, what's up, buddy? What's going on? (laughs) Look at you, man. Unbelievable. How's it going? Going very well. I'm working at Cumberland Heights in the patient registration department. You parlayed uh, your intervention into a gig. Right? Awesome. How is your daughter doing? You know, it's like this. It's FaceTime every other night. Okay. But you know, it's a relationship that I didn't have before, and we were face-to-face. Yeah. I've been able to visit a couple times, go back home and visit. Cool. And do you think uh, Nashville's going to be your home? Yeah. I have a brotherhood here. I was there nine and a half months, so you make bonds with people that that are lifelong. You look really great, and you look like a man who is, like, handling his life and taking care of business. Yeah, you know, I never thought I could. But I'm here. I'm here doing it. I'm so glad we had a chance to connect. Call me anytime, all right? I wish you the best and your family the best. Thank you, Donna. Take it easy, baby, all right? Bye, girl. Cool, baby. Peace.